BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Looking for hair removal tools that not only deliver smooth results, but also make you feel totally in control? Enter Conair Girlbomb. They're like your secret weapons for smooth, sleek results made just for us. From the ultimate Girlbomb grip to the professional grade blades, say goodbye to settling for less. With Conair Girlbomb, you get the precision and power that used to only be exclusive to men's tools. So take your hair removal routine to the next level with Conair Girlbomb, available at Walgreens. Did you know that most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate, but not with 80 Acres Farms? Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled, going from farm to store in days, not weeks. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's no need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter. Hey guys, welcome to I've Never Said This Before with me, Tommy D'Addario. Today's guest is the wonderfully talented Christopher Briney, who is in one of the most anticipated movies of the new year, and that movie is, of course, Mean Girls. Now, Mean Girls was a smash hit when it came out in 2004, becoming instantly iconic in the landscape of pop culture. If I were a betting man, I would bet that you can recite at least one line from the movie to me right now. Come on, I know you can. I have about seven in my back pocket. (laughs) But this iteration of the movie is not a remake, but rather a blending of the 2004 movie with the Tony Award-nominated Broadway musical version. And man, oh, it is such a blast to watch. Chris plays Aaron Samuels. He is one of the most popular and coolest guys in North Shore High School. But aside from navigating the trials and tribulations of the high school social pyramid, which we all know is no easy feat, you may know him from his starring role as Conrad Fisher in the Amazon hit series, The Summer I Turned Pretty. It is a show that took the world by storm and catapulted Chris into international stardom. Season three of the series is going to begin production this year, and I know the fandom is eagerly awaiting for that to happen. Chris is rising quickly in the ranks of Hollywood's leading men, and what I love about his artistry is that he gives such a variety of nuanced and memorable performances. He is definitely somebody to keep a close eye on. Chris is a shooting star. So, let's see if today we can get Chris to say something that he's never said before. Chris, my man, how are you doing today? I'm doing okay. I'm good. How are you doing today? I am fantastic. Are you ready for the whirlwind that's about to come your way with the release of Mean Girls? I don't know. I'm excited for people to see it. I think it's one of those things you can only just hope people enjoy it, you know? So I haven't quite been prepping for responses yet. I'm just hoping that people appreciate it. 
I got to tell you, I saw it last night and I'm a millennial. So I grew up with the 2004 sure. version and yeah. I was really psyched to see this. I also saw the show on Broadway and I loved it, man. I thought it was fresh and fun and so Good. exciting. And you, of course, play Aaron Samuel. So talk to me a bit about this film. What can people expect? How is it different from that original version? As with most creatives in the industry, people don't really want to just redo something. You know, we don't really want as a, a mass of people who consume entertainment, like a shot for shot remake of a movie that we love. You know, I mean, it's been done and you have Mean Girls, you have the 2004 Mean Girls and it exists and it's fantastic and it lives in that bubble, you know, and I grew up with it too. And I think what Tina was trying to do with this is just sort of bring it to a new audience and update it for the world we live in and make it a more diverse world than the original, because that's the world we live in, you know, and we live in a diverse world. And I think to do that, you can't just change the script a little bit and have new characters. I think it has to like feel different and look different. And I'd like to think that's what everybody set out to do. And the same with the musical, like the musical exists. There's no point in doing a direct just film version of it. I think it has to be something new and fresh. And and I like that you said it sort of felt that way because I think that's what it has to be. Like there's no point in doing it if it's not going to be new and if it's not going to be fresh. Yeah, I think it pulled the best of the film and the best of the stage production and blended it all together. Like, it's not a remake. It's not a remake at all. It's something entirely new. Yeah, I'd like to think it exists in its own sort of world. And yes, there's homage, you know, it's not trying to pretend it's never been done before in some ways, but it does exist on its own. Yeah, well, that tongue-in-cheek fun is exciting as a viewer to watch. You know, you look for those little those little winking moments that do pay, you know, homage to the 2004 version. And I think you need that because it is so iconic. If there was no, like, quote or nod to the original, then, I don't know, then you'd be waiting for it the whole time. At what point did you watch the original film? Because it's a bit, like, I really grew up with it, but you're younger than me, I think. So when did you see it? It came out in 2004. I would have been, like, six. So I probably didn't watch it when I was six. I honestly don't know the first time I watched it. I think it was just one of those things that maybe a friend put it on or I saw it on TBS. But it's one of those things that I've unknowingly been quoting my whole life and I've known my whole life and I don't really know when it started. Isn't but it's that wild? We all know multiple quotes from that movie. Yeah. Well, there are like a few things and, and I forget exactly what, but like my friends and I would, it would just be like something we'd say And, you know, we know it's a quote from something, but then you're like, oh, that's Mean Girls. Like, (laughs) that's not (laughs) just like a random quote we picked up. Like, that's just, that's Tina. (laughs) Did you have a go-to? I referenced that I'm sick, like a lot. Like, whenever I have like a cough or a cold, I just sort of say it. That's definitely one of them. I mean, Wednesdays in pink, like, that's another one that like, I feel like my dad probably knows that, but he hasn't watched that. I don't know if he's ever watched me. You know what I mean? It's one of those things that just sort of exists in the culture. It's so good. It's so good. So aside from being an actor and wanting to work, what made you want to do this project? Like, I would imagine it could come with a level of trepidation and worrying, oh, what are people going to think who do love that original and we're making something new? Like, what was it that really appealed stepping into the role of, of Aaron for you? Well, there's definitely a lot of fear. You're right about that. I mean, you're breaching on something that people love a lot and people love it as it exists, you know, and often people aren't really looking for something about it to change or something to be new, like rebooting an old show. Everybody's usually sort of like, well, 
do we need to do that? But I think there was just something about the way that you could tell they wanted to make this movie and about how they're really coming at it from a different angle. And Sam and Art, who directed it together, like visually their approach was something like out of like a music video. So it wasn't going to feel the same. And these characters sort of live in their own world. And Aaron doesn't have to sing in this, which was big for me. I never would have done it if he had to sing. But how could you not want to be part of something so iconic and to get the opportunity to work with Tina Fey and the young talent in this movie is ridiculous. I mean, there are so many talented people attached doing their own thing, you know, and they all have their, you know, like Renee did the musical and then now she's a pop star, but she's also in this movie and Ali is Moana, you know, (laughs) and and then Gary's done all these really cool movies. It, it just, everybody's sort of like background and Joquel has like, you know, the whole like Tony track. And so it's being a part of that crowd was really appealing to me because especially as Aaron, he's such like a, he's a cog in the machine. He's not the most important character in this story by any means. And he gets to sort of be around and get pushed around and watch things. And that was sort of what, drew me to it is like i just want to sort of be a little cognitive machine and watch it happen and hopefully do my part and hopefully people will enjoy that but just to be there for it all you know you get to be in the room and watch people do their thing which was really cool and correct me if i'm wrong because you probably know better than me but i believe i read tina fey put out some sort of a poll originally asking fans who they would want to see in this role and you were like the number one choice i saw that clip somewhere I'm flattered. It probably was like really good timing with the show I'm on. Like the poll came out like right as we had our season air or something. <laughs> I'll take it. You got me a job, you know? So thank you teens for getting me a job. <laughs> well, well-deserved man. Well-deserved. Now you mentioned that if there were singing in this role, you wouldn't have yeah. taken it. So did you originally think that was a part of it when you got the audition? What was your audition experience like? Well, timeline-wise, I first got the audition in my inbox, I think in, I mean, this all happened so fast. I think it was like November of last year, and um, there were like some sides, and then they were asking for like 16 bars or something of a song. And so I just passed on the audition. Like, I didn't give it more than like 10 minutes of thought. I was like, oh, this would be really cool. You know, Tina's attached, but not that I don't ever want to sing in my life, but I was like, I'm not going to book mean girls musical like i don't sing like that i don't sing like the people that are attached to this so i just let it go and then um a month and a half later i was in paris for like fashion week stuff and i got a call from my agent and she was like hey i know you passed originally but like the casting on mean girls he doesn't sing anymore would you consider taping now and i was like fuck yeah dude like absolutely like this is what a project to try and go for. And then it happened really quickly from there. I had a call back the next day and then I had a chemistry read as soon as I got back here from this room and we made the movie and here we are. So doing the movie now and then going through all of that and being around so many singers, did that make you want to sing even more? You're kind of like, eh, I'm good. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to leave it to the professionals. Like they're, <laughs> they're so good because there's always like a part of me. I think this is probably true for a lot of actors where like there's a part of me that really believes I could do anything. And I'm like, yeah, but I can make it work. Like give me two weeks and a vocal coach and I'll sing like the best. But then you hear like the level that other people sing at and the vocal quality that they have. And it's like, I, I, they were born to do this and I wasn't, I was born to do other things, you know? So I'm okay. I'm going to leave it to them. They sound great. 
um i haven't heard all of it though so i'm really excited to i get to watch it soon and then hear it all and hopefully it'll put it out on spotify like whatever whatever but yeah you were saying before we began rocking and rolling that you haven't even watched the whole movie yet no i've seen maybe like two scenes and then little clips from adr and then i've seen the trailers which is sort of my decision like i had a chance to see it a few weeks ago but i really wanted to i have trouble watching myself so i sort of wanted to see it in a room where I think premiere environments are exciting and everybody's just sort of excited to be there and ready to laugh. And you know, it's going to be a packed house and you don't have to worry about because comedy's hard in like an empty room. If you're not sitting like next to a lot of people, like people are less encouraged to laugh. And I, just, I think I just wanted to see it in a room where people are really ready and excited to see it. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other. As Infinity presents... A new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Hi, I'm Cindy Crawford, and I'm the founder of Meaningful Beauty. Well, I don't know about you, but like, I never liked being told, oh, wow, you look so good for your age. Like, why even bother saying that? Why don't you just say you look great at any age, every age? That's what Meaningful Beauty is all about. We create products that make you feel confident in your skin at the age you are now. Meaningful Beauty, beautiful skin at every age. Learn more at MeaningfulBeauty.com. That's interesting you touch on the comedy aspect of it because this is a very different project than what you're used to, right? So how was it stepping into the comedy of it all? Was that a daunting thing for you? Did you kind of find your groove? Do you enjoy it? It was such a different thing for you. It's really different. I mean, I will say again, like Aaron is a very specific character in this story. Like he's not the class clown. He's not making a lot of jokes. And there are some moments that are light and that are funny and I know like everybody says like to be funny, you have to be not funny and you have to be serious, which is true. But specifically with him, he's sort of like the straight man within it. He's very like taking the blows, but it's weird to approach like a genre like this because in filming it, you film it in little pieces, you know, and it's sort of a lot of it's very montage. -y. So you'll do like coverage of like two lines, six times, 12 different ways. 
And then they're like, we'll figure it out in post, you know, and Tina would yell out a line reading, like, try it like this or try it like this. So that's another reason why I'm excited to see it because I'm like, I don't really, we did it so many different ways that I don't know how they put it together. Wow. So it's so much less like, you have a scene and you sort of build up to this climactic moment. And then, and you, there are some of those moments in there for sure. But like, as a whole, it's so bitsy and PC that it's hard to know, like if it lands or how it lands, it was harder to keep track of what I was doing. To be honest, I was like, I don't really know what tone I should be approaching this scene with always. That seems like a very probably Tina Fey project where she just kind of throws a lot out at you and you just play and explore, yeah. which I imagine as an actor is pretty gratifying. It's super fun. I think like I come in as an actor and I have like my take on it, you know, and I'm pretentious about it. And I'm like, these are the choices I've made. And then you do a take and you do another take and you're like trying it a little bit different. And then like six takes in, you're like, I, that's all I got. Like I, I didn't really prepare for 90 different ways to do this scene. And so to have that be thrown at you is really fun. I mean, you have to be ready to like roll with anything and to try it a completely different way from how you saw it, which is awesome, which is really cool. And doing that with Tina Fey in the room and, and kind of guiding you and mentoring you, I imagine must have been awesome. Did you work a lot with Tina Fey? Was she pretty involved in your work in the film? She's super involved with this movie. I mean, she was on set practically every day. Sometimes she was in the room. Sometimes she was watching from Video Village. And, you know, every now and then they'd be like, Tina wants to try it like this. Or she would come in and she'd be like, hey, what about like something like this? And the thing about whenever she gave a note, and maybe it's just because I think she's cool, <laughs> but she would give a note and I'd be like, yeah, like that makes a lot of sense. Like, I get it. That's funny. Or that's right for the story. Or that's what we should be doing. She just knows. I mean, it's her project, obviously. It's her story. But she knows it so well. And she knows like what works so well that what a blessing, you know, what a blessing. Did she ever give you a piece of advice throughout the filming that has stuck with you that you'll kind of carry with you forward? She never like came to me and she was like the sun, you know, she never gave me like a fortune cookie. Um, but, but she <laughs> did. I remember we were working one scene and I was having some trouble with it. And it was one of those little like quick moments. And I was like, Oh man, like, I, like all I have to do is like react. And I was just having some trouble with it. And she came out and she gave a note. She was like, maybe try it like this. And then she just sort of did a thing where she was like, I don't know. Like, and I was like, yeah, I don't know either. Like, we're just going to make this work one way or another. And um, nobody really knows what's going to work, but we're just going to try it until it does. And so sort of just that approach or what felt like that was her approach. I was like, yeah, like, I don't, I don't know. Nobody really knows. Like, we're just really trying to make it work. Like, that's the goal of making a movie is trying to make stars align. And it was cool to know that that's Tina's approach, too. Listening to you and, and seeing you and watching you right now, I could see so much joy when you talk about this project and when you talk about acting and the art form in general, like you genuinely seem like you had the time of your life and that you just love being on a set. I do. It's true. I mean, I feel very, 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 very lucky to be working as an actor because that's hard. And not only to be working, but to be working on something where the general atmosphere is like, let's try this out. Let's make mm. this work. Nobody was like, this is how you're going to be acting, or this is what it looks like. Don't do your own thing. Like it was really, I guess, collaborative and fun, you know, and it was a long process. We worked hard, but it was fun. 
So much fun. And what's so interesting, I'm thinking about your other work that you've done. And of course, you shot to international superstardom with the summer I turned pretty and two seasons have been put out and, and people can't get enough of that and love it so much. Very different than what you did with Mean Girls for True. that project. Did you have any idea that it was going to explode in the way that it did? No, for sure not. I think part of the reason why it was so weird to me is like the first movie I ever did, it was an independent movie. When we were shooting that, I had this thought when we finished where I was like, oh, like people are going to see this one day. Like it almost felt like we were working in a vacuum and like nobody really knew what we were doing. Nobody really cared what we were doing. We were just sort of making the movie that the director and we all wanted to make. And there was a certain amount of joy in that it didn't really matter how it was perceived as long as we were making something we were proud of. And similarly with the show, I mean, it, it felt a little more like people were watching because obviously it became clear when I was cast, I don't know, I got a couple thousand Instagram followers. I was like, oh, like people have read these books and people care about these characters and these stories, but it's still almost, I was like, well, as long as I'm happy, like, I don't really care. As long as I feel good about my work, I don't really care. But then people saw it, you know, and people had opinions and people, I was like, people had great opinions. They do. They do. It's been, it's been a dream. It's been wonderful. It's just weird. Cause I was like pretty confident. I was like, well, as long as I'm happy, like it doesn't really matter if six people see this and if four of them like it, I'll be happy. And here we are two seasons later and I've been very lucky. That's such a healthy mentality to have. And, and I didn't even connect the dots until you just said it. But yes, you are playing a role in that show that's based off a character in a selling novel, right? And a series. And you also did that with Mean Girls. So you keep right. stepping yeah. into these roles that already have this I know. <laughs> preconceived notion and this fan yeah. base. And you have to make it your own, which is mm -hmm. a testament to the work that you do, man. I mean, that's no easy feat. Well, thank you. I think part of it is like not everyone's going to like it, you know, and People are going to have opinions and that has to be, I, Chris, I have to be okay with that because if you're trying to play to every person who has an opinion about this, I mean, you're not acting, you're just sort of pandering to your idea of what their idea is. And it's tough in both ways. Cause like someone reads a book. I mean, I read a book and I see the characters in my head. Then they make an adaptation of it. And I'm like, that's not at all who I saw. Mm. I mean, if a thousand people read a book, that's a thousand different versions of this character that are being seen. And the, similarly with Mean Girls, I mean, people grow up with this character, you know, they know who Aaron Samuels is. And then all of a sudden this Chris kid is out here and he's like, I'm also, <laughs> so it's a weird thing. I mean, it's cool and I'm honored. It's just, it's intense. It's intense. I, I guess I'm grateful that I've, I have some experience with doing that with the show. So I'm not like, well, how are people going to take this? How are people going to perceive it? And on the show, are you gearing up for season three? Is that happening soon? I would tell you if I knew. Uh, yes, at some point. I'm assuming some point this year we'll go back. Obviously, the idea was to do it last year, but the strike and all that jazz. But I'm just waiting for the, the email where they're like, this is when you're going to do it. Well, between the show, between the movie and what's about to happen with this movie for you, for people who maybe haven't seen you in the summer, I turned pretty. And this is a whole new different fan base that could potentially start following you. I'm sure the attention you've received already from the show you're on has been amazing, but in some ways a bit dizzying, right? Like it's just course, this yeah. kind of constant, constant thing for you. 
How are you able to navigate that? How are you able to kind of take a step back and not let it consume you? Appreciate it, of course, but also take the time for you. Like, is that a weird dichotomy for you? It's really weird. Yeah. And whenever I think about this, even I, I, I always preface it with the fact that I'm like really grateful that people care and people watch anything that I've done. I mean, like what a blessing, like think of how many talented people and how many good movies have been made that people haven't seen. So I'm grateful. And every time anyone's ever said something to me, they've been kind, you know, and warm. And they've been like, I appreciate, or I like the show or whatever, but it's totally weird because I think with the age of social media that we're in, like, it's really easy to feel like, you know, someone, and it's really easy to feel like you have some sort of notion of who they are as a person or a notion of like how they walk through the world. Mm. And being on the receiving end of that, I think I'm just like, well, I am the only person who knows who I am truly, you know, and I played this character on TV and I played this character in a movie, but like, I'm also like super introverted and shy. And so, you know, I don't always know how to act in settings when people come up to you, you know what I mean? So it's, you sort of take it as it goes. I mean, I walk through New York, like, like I, I'd hide, I hide. I just walk through New York like this. Like I try to be like, <laughs> I said, I look you like have a, a beanie on, you have sunglasses yeah. on. I don't even recognize you right now. <laughs> I look like a piece of shit, but like, I don't know. It just sort of helps me be like, all right, I'm in my own world. You know, I'm not, I'm not looking for attention. I'm just happy people have seen the things that I have done. Some people, you know, relish in the tension and fame of it all. It seems like you yeah, obviously do it. Yeah, and that's that's one approach, but you do it for the work and that comes with it and you've you're learning, I'll say, it seems like how to how to manage that all. Is yeah. it almost like you have to put on an, an alter ego when you're on like these red carpets and doing these junkets, you know, press rooms and it, like is it like a different kind of switch that goes off in your brain? I think in some ways it's inevitable. I really try to be authentic. And it's hard, you know, because you're standing in a red carpet and, you know, there's a ring light and a camera and a microphone in your face. And I don't know, maybe there's some adrenaline or maybe there's some, you feel some pressure to like be something. But I don't know. I don't want to be like two people. I'd like to be as authentic as I can when, I don't know, like I, I don't really love social media, but I'm not trying to be like phony about it. I don't really feel like a need to put on a superficial face. And those might be negative words to look at that because there's also some validity in being like, look, like this is my work and this is my life and I keep them separate. And I do, but I think like personality wise, I don't know. I'm just trying to, I don't know. I'd rather be myself on a red carpet, you know, because I don't know how to wear a suit, you know, I'm not going to try to pretend (laughs) to. Well, I think that's awesome. And I think that's why so many people do gravitate towards you, man. They, they, I always say you can smell a fake and sure, you know, it's evident you're not. And even your relationship with social media that you just brought up, you know, I was, I was checking out your stuff earlier today and you're active, but you're not overly active. So you clearly have some sort of boundary with it, right? I just have found social media really like consuming And so I sort of do everything I can to take a step away from it. Mm. Like I'm on YouTube shorts right now because I deleted TikTok and it's great. I feel like I'm off the grid. I'm like, if something happened in the world, I wouldn't know. But, you know, I can watch my gaming videos. Um, (laughs) But how refreshing. Oh, my God. I'm sitting here. I have such 
jealousy because I would love to kind of be more of a, of a low prof- profile person on social media. But for what I do in the unscripted world, we'll say, you know, for interviewing and hosting and all of that, it's really important to bring people in and, you know, make them feel like they watch me on TV and I'm one of your friends. So it's this weird balance for me where I have to, I, yeah. I do have to be particularly active, but I also do keep things for just me and no one to turn it off. And I'm not on TikTok, even though my agent's been like, get on, get on, get on. I'm like, <laughs> no, I don't yeah. want to. No disrespect to anybody on it. But for me, it's, I just I don't want to do it. <laughs> it's so consuming, you know, it's so consuming. And yes, that's where like the trends are and that's where how you stay relevant and that's engagement and all those things. But I don't know. I, I, I feel you. It's tough. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Hi, I'm Cindy Crawford, and I'm the founder of Meaningful Beauty. Well, I don't know about you, but like, I never liked being told, oh, wow, you look so good for your age. Like, why even bother saying that? Why don't you just say you look great at any age, every age? That's what Meaningful Beauty is all about. We create products that make you feel confident in your skin at the age you are now. Meaningful Beauty, beautiful skin at every age. Learn more at MeaningfulBeauty.com. So how do you take criticism? Like, have you seen things written about you before that just crushed you? Or especially in the social media world that is so relevant in Mean Girls, because that's a new spin on it in this version of the movie and and in everyday life and where we are in 2024. Like, how are you with all of that? Are you able to truly just tune out what I imagine is any small amount of negativity you may see about yourself? It's hard to tune that stuff out. It really is. I'd like to think I'm getting better at it and being off social media as much as I am really does help. Like it really helps a lot to be a little removed from it. Cause you just see less like for a while, you know, you post something and then I'd like scroll through the comments and there are like so many positive ones. And I think part of me is just like looking for the bad ones for Always. some like validation of some feeling I have about myself. And so for sure there's been stuff. I mean, I remember the first time I saw some negative stuff, like it was when the casting announcement for the show came out. 
and someone tweeted and I'm not even on Twitter, but I was like, again, I was looking for something. I like, I wanted, I don't know what I wanted, but I wanted something. And someone was like, yo, why are they casting ugly people in the summer? I turned pretty. And it, you know, I don't know. It was just weird. Cause that was the first time I saw someone else have an opinion about me who didn't know me. Mm. And also I was like, but we haven't even filmed it yet. Like, how do you know, like, you don't like it. <laughs> and so when I finally was able to rationalize that, I was like, oh, well, you know, uh, it, sure, maybe they've seen a few unflattering pictures of me, or maybe they think I am ugly, and that's fine. But like, I, I just got to remind myself, like, why I do it? Like, I do it for the work and opinions like that. I don't know if someone like truly was like, wow, it looks like he didn't do good work. Like, he didn't have a good idea of what tone the show was. I'd be like, oh, okay, well, that's of my work, and I'd be like, it would probably hurt a little bit, but I'd be like more receptive to something like that than. I feel like often online it just becomes like, yo, this dude looks bad <laughs> or, or, you know, I hate yeah. that outfit or, or stuff like that. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, it's almost easier to deal with maybe because I'm like, well, that's not really what I'm here for. But I mean, it's inevitable. It's a day and age we live in. It's, it, there's always going to be some bullshit out there that people just feel like they can write. And and it's so crazy because how I grew up, I'm 37 and I didn't, I grew up with the internet. So sure. I got to really see all the different iterations of it. And it used to be like such a fun, happy place. And, and yeah. now it is like kind of cutthroat and vicious. Yeah, Again, many beautiful things about it, but that side exists. So it's very interesting that we have to deal with that who kind of have more public personas. But I think your mentality is super right on and super important to bring attention to because if more people can kind of let things roll off their back, yeah. I think their overall mental health will be much better. <laughs> yeah. And it's not easy. It's a work in progress. Of like it's course. really easy to say it like that, but I think that's the goal. You know, the goal is just to be enough removed from it where you're like, well, you know, the, I, I have my friends. I live with three friends. My girlfriend lives down the street. Like that's my community. Yeah. My community is not online and there are valid online communities. Don't get me wrong. But like, for me, what I get true joy from are the people around me and I, I trust their opinions and I trust the way they think about my work. And if they had criticism, I'd love to hear it and keep it close. Yeah. I always say, keep that circle tight. Yeah. How do you then, like, what brings you joy, I guess? How do you unwind? What <laughs> brings you happiness? What are the things that the non-actor side of you does and enjoys to stay grounded and to just enjoy life? I mean, there's a lot of things. I love spending time with my friends. Like I was sort of just saying, I have this group of like six or seven of us. We all went to college together. We did the same acting program. We're all actors. I live with two of them. My girlfriend lives down the street with another and another friend. And I just like the people I'm surrounded by. Like I trust them and I enjoy their company. And that brings me a lot of joy to just spend time with them. I've been golfing a lot recently. I enjoy golfing yeah. a lot. It's really on the nose. Like it's it's super on the nose, but but I enjoy it. I've been having a good time. It's sort of nice to be working on something that isn't acting sometimes, because it, as a lot of actors know, it sometimes feels like you're just like working into a void. You're just working for no one. So it's nice to just be like, wow, I'm working on this for me. That's also more like tangible. Like you're like, oh, I did good at this sport or I did bad at this sport. Whereas acting is so subjective that it's harder to grasp. I like getting coffee in the morning. That brings me joy. Taking a little walk. Yeah. The simple moments, right? Yeah. Yeah. 
It's funny how that works. I know. It's one of my favorite things to do. I'm an early riser and I love matcha green tea. So um, good. It's so good. And and I make it in the morning and it's like my favorite little ritual. I just make my green tea and sit yeah. down and take a few minutes for me. It's, it's, I always say it's not always the big moments in life. It's the small moments that are just as important. For sure. And I think as... Like as a kid, you know, you're like, what are the big moments or what, you know, and then Christmas, you want the big presents and whatever. But as I get older, I'm like, I just sort of want like some cozy socks and a coffee, like. And maybe a big fuzzy blanket too. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I just want to be, I want to be comfortable. I want to. Yeah, man. I feel you on that. That's awesome. (laughs) So the name of the show is, I've never said this before. So I'm wondering, is there something that you haven't really talked about before, whether it's silly or deep, whatever it may be. Is there something that you wanted to share today? I was thinking about this and I kept, my mind resorts to jokes always. And so I was just like, oh, that would be funny. Or that, I don't know. I, I think I've never said, this is more like life lessons. I've never said that I regret saying yes to something. Hmm. I don't think. And maybe if I racked my brain, I could find something. But I think often, like, even if I'm like, a friend's like, hey, do you want to do this? And I'm like about to go to bed and and I'm like, you know what? Maybe it'll be fun. Or if someone's like, hey, do you want to go somewhere? Do you want to do something? Or do you want to, I don't know. I think saying yes to things and trying new things is always fun. Like golf, for example. Like I had a friend who was like, you guys want to go golfing? And I'd never done it before at all. And I was like, I don't like, that sounds terrible. Like why would I? And then I don't know. I, I, I've sort of discovered something that I'm passionate about, like a hobby I care about. And even if you go somewhere and you don't like it, then, you know, you don't like it. I think life's too short to just avoid everything. Oh, I love that. Because it's easy to avoid things, right? You know, it's really easy to be like, oh, I'm, the trains are slow today. It's kind of cold. I don't want to go. And I'm being a hypocrite because my friends invited me somewhere today and I don't think I want to go. <laughs> so it's not like <laughs> they're words I live by. But you're saying when you actually say yes, you don't regret yeah. it. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. It's wow. a thought in progress. I, I might rescind that in 30 seconds, but I think it's true. Like, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't regret that stuff. I don't regret going to a party I wasn't sure if I wanted to go to or seeing a movie that I didn't like the trailer for. Because you got to have an experience you wouldn't have had otherwise, even if it wasn't the experience that you wanted or didn't turn out exactly how you thought it would be. You got got to try something new. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's like the most perfect January 2024 response (laughs) to that question. I have a list, actually. No. um, Yeah, that's a resolution response. Say yes to more things. That's awesome. I couldn't love that more. And and you know what? You're right. That's something I remind myself of sometimes. It's like, just say yes. You, you have nothing to lose. And if it doesn't work out, who cares? Yeah. Because I think it's also easy to get habitual sometimes and be like, all right, this is what I'm going to do this week. And in my downtime, I'm going to do A, B, and C. And then, you know, G pops up and you're like, well, I, that's not part of my routine. I don't know, but it, um, it's good to try things. It's good. I'm going to remember that. That is a good reminder for everybody listening. Try something new. Don't be afraid to say yes, right? I think so. That was well said, my friend. I've so loved this conversation. I think that you have such a bright future ahead of you. You've accomplished so much already. And and something tells me this is just the beginning. And honestly, man, it was such an honor getting to hang out and chat today. 
Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Truly, this was so much fun. Anytime. And everyone, go see the movie, right? Oh, check it out, man. <laughs> I think it's going to be good. I don't know, but I'm pretty sure it's good. <laughs> it's going to be good. You haven't seen it. I've seen it, and I'm saying it's good. So go see the movie. Trust mean Girls, yeah. out now. Go see it. <laughs> Thank you again, man. We'll talk soon. Please. Thank you so much, dude. I've Never Said This Before is hosted by me, Tommy D'Addario. This podcast is executive produced by Andrew Puglisi at iHeartRadio and by me, Tommy, with editing by Joshua Kolodny. I've Never Said This Before is part of the Elvis Duran Podcast Network on iHeart Podcasts. For more, rate, review, and subscribe to our show. And if you like this episode, tell your friends. (laughs) Until next time, I'm Tommy D'Addario. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Farm to store in days, not weeks. That's 80 Acres Farms. Did you know most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate? But not 80 Acres Farms. Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's zero need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter.